Hey everybody, welcome back to Trading Fours. I am your host, Jamie Green. Hope you're doing well. Got something a little different this time for the podcast. I want you all to think back when in the spring of 2020, when we all sadly realized that uh, it, the quarantine wasn't going to be a week or two, uh, but we were in for the long haul. And I know uh, it's been one of the themes of this podcast because I started this podcast right before COVID began. And I talk to musicians all the time, and there was this really huge pivot on how they were going to be able to perform and be a part of the community and still try to make a living. Now, uh, most people uh, had no idea what they were doing. Uh, I have a little idea what I was doing just because uh, my undergraduate degree a million years ago was in broadcast journalism, so I understand. But even I had to do some research, and I had to go and look. And I ended up getting some software called Caster because back then I had my 90s band still going on. We had a lot of people said, please do something. We have nothing going on. So we did uh, two or three, I think three live streams out on my back patio because I hit a huge deck where we could spread apart. But even for me, uh, with that background, uh, it wasn't that great. And it certainly took some doing. So the reason I bring all this up is because down in Austin, Texas, there was a, uh, well, a venue that's not just a venue, but a live stream place called Purple Bee. Uh, they say that they are a full-service production company specializing in end-to-end live stream video, production, and audio engineering. So these guys were doing this before COVID hit and had pretty much mastered it uh, when it did hit. Now, uh, we have to figure out how to make money in the world of music in the 21st century. These guys have figured it out. Uh, I thought it'd be fun to talk to them. I think it'd be interesting. Down in the show links, look at all their stuff on the, their website. Look at their live streams they've done on YouTube. They're fabulous. Uh, and the main reason, too, one of the people behind this is my buddy Scott Railing. Scott and I have known each other for, I don't even want to say how many years we've known each other. Over 30. We'll just leave it at that. So, something different this time. I think you're going to dig it. Here is my conversation with the guys at the Purple Bee. We started out as just friends and, and uh, people who were in the music industry as musicians. We're all musicians, but we all do other things. Grego had a recording studio where he record bands. And uh, Scott's always had his own video production things going on. And me and Dustin, my brother, we're twins. We grew up together and we've always been in sort of tech-related jobs. We have a company called Airship that does design and websites and branding and things like that. Before that, we were doing live streaming video for people. And um, ever since, you know, basically the, the 90s, we've been doing things around music and video and tech web things. So uh, Purple Bee kind of came to be because we were just, we would hang out together after our gigs and we would come up with excuses to throw parties that kind of more or less were glorified miniature festivals and and they were always sort of overachieving parties uh, where we'd kind of combine video and we'd and we'd put a bunch of bands together and we'd put the stage up and we'd do all the production and we'd market it as if it was this super legitimate thing and it was but it was sort of underground diy and we never really had a uh we always kind of went back to our day jobs and then Fast forward a few years to right before the pandemic, Grego had a studio going in his double wide trailer out in the country and we would go out there and hang out and we and we felt like the timing was right to kind of put a 
live stream studio together and sort of kit out his recording studio with video stuff and start uh, inviting bands over to make live streams. And it just so happened that once we got that kind of piece together, the pandemic happened and the floodgates sort of opened to, um, you know, every band needing a place to do that type of thing. And we were just kind of waiting and and it all just sort of fell into place and we hit the ground running. We, we started doing shows that were donation supported. So they were free on the internet, on YouTube and Twitch. And we kind of spread around multiple platforms and rely on the donations of the viewers to kind of, uh, to pay the artists and to also to keep the studio going. And uh, it kept growing and we kept getting, you know, figuring more of it out. But like I said, we kind of had a background in all of this stuff to begin with. So we had a lot of it figured out from the get go. And it, it was like, uh, we had an advantage over a lot of the people who who waited until the pandemic hit them to kind of see if they could figure out how to do a live stream. We kind of already knew how to do it. So it gave us this huge sort of uh, jump start. And, and a lot of the bands that kind of tried to figure it out on their own would end up throwing their hands up and then they would we'd say hey, why don't you come over to purple b and we'll all you have to do is play music and and we'll take care of the rest and it's a you know it's sort of worked out like that ever since and over the last three years we've steadily sort of uh i, I would say we sort of me and dustin and grego especially kind of started quitting a lot of our day jobs and putting a, a lot of our time and effort into Purple B and seeing how we can combine all these talents that we've had over the years working for other people and working for ourselves in various projects and put it all into this Purple B project and see how we can, you know, see how far we can go with it. And Scott Scott uh, came in a couple of years ago and he said, hey, I got this facility that I'm looking at that's out by Lake Travis. I think it would make a great studio for Purple B and and all these other ideas were attached to it that sort of sounded incredible and like a dream come true to us. We've been talking about trying to do something like this for so long and uh, the stars aligned, I guess. And we we got to work on building out this big metal uh, building that was just a big garage that had an apartment attached to the end of it, sort of a barn dominium. We, we gutted it out and we built it out uh, in our own design to to be sort of geared specifically towards doing live stream concerts, but also having a live audience on site and doing things that were sort of private event related things. So now we're about eight months into, into having that place up and running and uh, we're still working on it as we speak and everything's sort of, you know, we're adding to it as we go, but um, you know, it's, it's going great. It's sort of a dream come true and it's sort of this big, spaceship slash playground for us to kind of hone our skills and to pull people into our vortex and build our community and just do bigger and better things so that's that's kind of the short story of purple b up to now well you know it's interesting because this podcast started in october of 2019 so i think i had like i don't know 2025 episodes before the world shut down um and almost every musician i've talked to who said I had to start doing video streaming said, I don't, you know, the joke was, it's like, you're juggling and you have to throw, you're throwing a fourth ball in there, which is all the video production and basically everything that can go wrong. And most musicians that, you know, you guys are the outliers. Most guys that are musicians aren't up on all the video production and stuff. So I don't know if you want to say it's serendipity that a pandemic happened, but it's, it seems like you guys were ready for it at least. And, and Austin being such a great music scene. So 
I'm, I'm curious when you do this, how is it totally the people than the bands? Cause I've sat and watched a couple. I know I, I, I chatted last week with you guys on there. Is it, they just get paid with donations. How, how do you monetize something like this? I guess is my question. Well, we, the, the short answer is we try everything and there's no, you know, we don't have any one way we we've done it. And when the pandemic started, it worked really well to do just the donation based thing because you had all these people that otherwise would be going out to see the band in a club and spending, I don't know, 50 to a hundred dollars at the bar and not for cover. And they would tip the band, they'd buy a t-shirt and they do all the things they normally do at a show. Now they're sitting at home with nowhere to spend that money. And we gave them a place to spend it. We gave them an opportunity to say, Hey, uh, here's this band and you were the person that might have been at their show spending, you know, 50 to a hundred dollars. Why don't you throw that our way? And we'll come up with some really fun ways for you to get sort of rewarded for, for your donation. So we made it interactive and fun. And the, you know, there were things, there were perks that you could get for donating uh, that anything from the band playing a cover song that they weren't already planning on playing to some improvised moments or some stunt or some dare or gag, or they would eat something spicy or you know we come up with all kinds of shit and we're still coming up with stuff uh so that's a lot of fun for us and to use that model is just a as as the medium to kind of try new ideas has been a lot of fun and we've gotten a lot of mileage out of it but that said that's not always the greatest you know, depending on the situation where it, it doesn't always it's not always applicable to use that financial model so we've been trying all kinds of stuff everything from just straight up per hire production people you know, we rent out our facility and and someone comes in and they say, this is how we want to do the show. And we help them put it on in, the, in their vision to, uh, you know, sort of partnerships too and, and to different ways of, of revenue sharing with the artists. We, we've tried a lot of stuff. Well, I think it's, it's, it's kind of that tough nut to crack, right? There is, um, like you said, during the pandemic, everybody's sitting at home, right? They don't have anything. They can't even if they wanted to go spend their money, the bar was closed, so they couldn't. Right. Um, but this new whole dynamic in the 21st century, I mean, I just watched, what are you guys on, 102, 101 shows? How far are you into doing this now? Quite a few. Yeah, we did, We just did our 100th episode of Purple Be Live, which is our sort of flagship series. It's the where we invite original artists to come in. So we've done 100 of those. And then we've done at least 100 of other things that are not that specific series so we're in the 200 to 300 range right now that's crazy well I'm, I'm gonna bring my buddy in scott because scott and i were farting around in austin in the 90s scott what would you what's like the biggest change in the music scene have you seen with all the technology how many people are actually figuring this out you guys seem to be kind of on the vanguard and what's kind of like your interaction with the musicians did they buy in instantly did it take a while for them to kind of come on board how how has that process been well i mean like evan said during COVID, it kind of happened naturally because there was nothing else to do right so everybody was trying to figure this out and you know and quite a few musicians were successful doing something simple right just like a webcam and themselves you know streaming and stuff like that so there was all that going on you know like we've been talking about, we're we're just really fortunate with this group of people that came together that there's just a ton of talent and a ton of experience doing all this stuff. So it was it it was pretty straightforward and I don't want to say easy, but you know we were way ahead of anybody else to do it at this level because we had so many people coming together that had that experience. 
So we live in kind of a unique island because we're doing it at such a higher level than anybody, certainly around here, but arguably kind of anywhere. Like if you look at what we're outputting, it's world-class. And so that's giving us a unique platform to attract, you know, quite a, you know, pretty much anybody we want in the region. And now we're, you know, now that we've kind of got the kinks worked out and we feel pretty good about what we're doing, we're now starting to attract some national artists and stuff like that are coming through for festivals or coming through on tour and they've got a night off in between their next stop. So we think we're going to start seeing some of that. In other words, at any pretty much an artist at any level is is comfortable working at our place because of what they're seeing us put out. So uh, I don't know if that answers your question, but we again, COVID kind of drove all this. We were in the right place at the right time with some skills, and we've kind of parlayed that into where we're at now. Well, I think it's interesting because I I, I looked at your web. You know, I actually do my research. Uh, and Alicia Keys, Coldplay, a bunch. I mean, this is these are. A plus names. And um, so there's obviously been some buy-in, right? Is it all well, right? Yeah, so that, that those, those bigger artists, that's been more work for hire, not in our facility, but out at their concerts. Okay. Yeah, there is buy-in. I mean, we're, we, you know, Lizzo, Coldplay, you know, like you say, we, Kenny Wayne Shepard, we've done a lot of big artists uh, for the work for hire stuff, right? That's where we're going out into the field, you know, whatever venue they're playing and executing a live stream. Um, you know, as a as a work for hire service, um, and we're doing the same thing in our facility, same same level of quality. But yeah, we've been able to work with some pretty significant artists uh, over the last few years. Well, the space you've got a lot of pictures of it, and I always put in the show notes so people, as we're talking, you click on the show notes, you can look at. It's a beautiful space, and I and you've got an outdoor component too. Um, has it been something that has just kind of after COVID times continues to grow? Did it slow down at all once COVID, you know, knock on wood, kind of over, I guess? Um, what, what's it been like the last year or so? Yeah, like Evan said, it was really as far as like the public interest and appetite for consuming con, you know, live streams of music online. That appetite was sort of at its peak, maybe at the end of 2020. I would say that's tapered off a little bit because now venues are open again. There's lots of options for people to go back and go out and, and see concerts live. But what we've done with this new place is sort of a hybrid, right? It's both. It's a it's a venue where people can come and, and experience it in person, and we're still doing the streaming. So we're kind of in a good spot because we can do both. And the feedback that we're getting is pretty phenomenal. Uh, it's just a unique experience with the wireless headphones. You can go anywhere on the property and you, you can either be in the live sound stage with the band or you can be outside. You can be playing cornhole and you're still hearing it and you're still watching it on the screens or looking through the windows. Pretty much every show we get a handful of people that just come up to us and they're just gushing about, oh, this is the best thing I've ever experienced. This is amazing. And so we're on to something with that. So it's it's kind of good that we've got both. It's not just streaming. We're now a venue that's open to the public. Got yeah, a liquor license? Say, well, yeah, we can. We have, uh, yeah. Do, do we have it yet? We're working on it. Yeah, because that's where, I mean, we all know this. This is where bars really make a lot of money is on the liquor side. Yeah. So I'm just curious about it. Well, we're, so, <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. We're, it's, it's unique in Texas because if you get a full-blown liquor license, then then that's it. You're, you you can't do any uh, anything else. You, you can't allow people to bring liquor on the property. You, you have to sell liquor. You have to be TABC. So we think the best model for us is sort of something in between where it's called an event permit. 
So in other words, we, we can we can serve alcohol and sell it on some events, but then on other events, uh, we can have it sponsored, we can give it away or make it part of the ticket. We can have private people coming in to do events and they can bring their own liquor on site. So we're still kind of working through that. So tell me, let's let's and anybody chip, I, you know, I want everybody to have a chance to talk so anybody can end it. So um, let's talk about what's the gamut of stuff. So obviously live music, special events, like what, what all in the last month, what all have you guys had on and, and what are you, are, is there going to be weddings someday? I mean, what, what are you guys thinking long-term? Yeah, we've hosted all sorts of events at the at the facility, and and if you look outside the facility of just our crew going and doing other jobs, uh, we've been all over the country in the last couple months doing things for hire that don't necessarily end up as official Purple Bee live streams, but the but they're touching on our talents and kind of the team that we have at our disposal. So one of the things that's just an advantage is, is that we got we have a wide range of skills amongst our team, and so. We haven't had to, we've been able to be pretty patient about sort of developing our model and starting to hone in on what, if, what is our special sauce that Purple Bee has to offer. I think that's been a little bit of dumb luck it, when it comes to sort of outlasting some of the other like live stream companies that may have popped up in the pandemic times because most of them, most of the live stream platforms that popped up when the pandemic hit and went and got a bunch of venture capital money and tried to go big, they're all gone now. They're all out of business. And uh, for whatever reason, we're still going and we're growing and we're still honing our thing because we we sort of took us a, a, a little bit of a slower approach in the sense that we're sort of measured about the way we go about things. We didn't take a bunch of money from anyone. We're sort of still open to pivoting to, to, to meet the demand where it is. And that's been, it's been, it's in our advantage, I'd say, but we are still trying to hone in on what we do and trying to figure out where our niche is. And, uh, but luckily it's, it's a wide net, it's a wide net that we can cast. We can do all sorts of things when we have to, to pay the bills. So we've and gone and yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, to answer your question, no weddings. Okay. People spend a fortune on these now. That's why I was at. I mean, I, I've seen these things and people were multiple camera weddings. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars for weddings. So, I, I mean, I, I'll tell you what, I don't well, like I, to play a wedding either, but it's, it pays. It's a paying. I mean, that's why I asked. So, well, we would love to have you be our, our uh, wedding coordinator and we'll just hire okay. you to come in and deal with Bridezilla and then we'll do it. Okay, brother. You know, I'd be down for that. <laughs> well, you know, to answer your question, then uh, everything from, you know, we, we do a weekly uh, Fox Sports show that goes out on television every week during rugby season. We do that out of there. We just did the Major League Rugby College Draft Show. Um, all these music shows that we're talking about, we've, we've done some, we, we hosted the uh, fantasy football draft. Uh, you know, we've got a 16-year-old birthday party coming up on Saturday. You know, it's, we, we've got a lot of wait, different wait, wait, ways to the facility. I want, what is involved with a 16-year-old birthday person? Let, let's, let's break that down. What, what, what? Well, who, I mean, obviously these people have money. Uh, <laughs> this is actually my daughter. Oh, it's you. No wonder. I should have known. And she wants, and she wants, uh, you know, she, she basically wants a, uh, a club atmosphere. So we're going to turn the, the venue into a nightclub for 16 year olds for her birthday. It ain't the lucky lady, is it, Scott? Or, nor the rock and Robin. 
No, it was way, <laughs> this is way, way too inside baseball, Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, yeah, we, we, we have this facility and we have a we have concert lighting rig. We have a full sound system. We have all the video equipment kind of ready to go. We have these monitors all around. Like, so we could put on anything from a Monday night football with a band playing afterwards to a fantasy football draft to a, a 16 year old's birthday party. That's like a disco club you know we can we can do all those things when we want to and we and we are that seems so, like it have a really corporate people corporate people are always looking for events right i mean they're whether yeah. they're having a retreat or whatever you know uh, my wife did this for years when she did a, attorney recruiting and she'd always have to find new interesting venues and there's tons of corporations as we know in austin is that something too that you guys do work with them as well not yet but yeah. that's like high on the list of what we think we can do to actually make make this a, a significant revenue generator. To your mm -hmm. point, it'd be, it's a really unique experience for like a day retreat for a company, you know, whether it's a sales meeting or a partner meeting or whatever. These companies come in from out of town and especially here in Austin, they always want to do some type of an excursion that's sort of Austin centric. And that's almost always music based because of Austin, right? It's yep. what we're known for. Yep. But it's the same thing over and over again. You you go to you rent a hotel ballroom during the day, boring, and then oh let's go to, you know let's go rent a venue and hire Bob Schneider or whatever. Okay, that's great. But they've all done that a million times. This is something different. We're on Lake Travis, so it's a gorgeous environment. It's a, you know you kind of got to get outside of town to get to it. So now it feels like you're getting away somewhere, and then it's just this really unique experience, right? You feel like you're inside of a TV uh, broadcast, which you are. You're basically in a soundstage participating in a live TV broadcast, super intimate experience with the band. You're right there, the headphones, so you've got super high quality audio. You can go anywhere on the property and still hear the show. You can flip to another channel and hear the director cut, play some cornhole, go by the fire. You're still hearing it, you're still seeing it. People love it. So we think that's gonna ultimately be uh, the direction we wanna go in is doing some private events where people are bringing groups out to experience that. Where do you guys see it in like three years? What what's your ideal, your your business plan model for three like three to five years from now? What would you like it to be? Maybe maybe uh, having thing these all over the country. Okay. Well, you know a guy in KC that you could talk to. So. Right. <laughs> Is that everybody? Yeah. And it, it, does it? Do you franchise it? Do you own it yourself? How does that work? Well, there's the, the other end of it, there's the facility, the physical location, which Scott is referring to, but there's also just the business of Purple Bee and the content that we're creating. And a lot of times it's content that we co-own with the artists that we're working with. So ultimately, I see in three years that we're we're monetizing that content with the artists as another sort of revenue stream for both of us, uh, us and the artists, and, and another model of business to mine, sort of how do we, how do we work with artists and how do we work inside the music industry that's so disjointed and so up in the air these days how do we forge new paths ahead with creating content and figure out ways to to make money off of it yeah it's think... always the sticky wicket right like as long as there's been musicians around they've had a hard time you know once they and then once the last 15 years now the only way they really seem like they're making money is on merch right unless you're huge mm -hmm. um how do you make it so the musician's happy you guys are happy the crowd's happy everybody's happy yeah i think there's a lot of ways there there's i mean we could rattle off 20 different ways that that, that the live stream could 
potentially generate revenue. So, you know, everything from the, the like we were already talking about, the, the, the viewers donating on the stream live that triggers some sort of perk that, that the artist performs or does, or maybe it's some personalized version of a song that this person gets. That's one way of doing it. But once you've got that recorded, then you have potentially other ways of monetizing, like like uh, selling a you know it could be anything from an NFT, which is maybe a bad word these days, but the 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 model holds for sort of using that recorded content as this tokenized thing that people can own. Um, traditional releases like live albums that don't end up on Spotify or vinyl releases, um, compilations of of the best of our shows. Um, selling memberships that people who come back to these shows could be a part of that, that a whole other set of perks involved with that. So we could just keep going, but the, you know, it's sort of endless and it's just, we're, we're just developing our own, our own blend of what, what are those things that make sense to us as a business and what do we want to push and how can we pull the artists in and treat it more like a partnership with them where it's a revenue share type of deal. Have many artists asked that you they want the recording too for you know the full audio recording to do that kind of like a live album? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, most of them. Um, and that's something we're starting to get a little more organized about how we do do that deal. But as of you know, sort of the default for now is that it's just a it's an agreement that the stuff we create together in that studio uh, we both own it and uh, we can use it for promotional purposes off the bat without talking about it but if as soon as we want to do some official commercial release we come back to the table and we negotiate a deal to split the you know whatever the split may be or and and purple b might help them create that release or they might just take the footage and the and the multi-tracks and go do their own thing with it so it just depends but yeah we've had a lot of interest in that stuff so I, I know most of the people listening to my podcast are, are either musicians or way into music stuff. So let's say they're hearing this for the first time, fellas, and they're like, hey, this is intriguing to me. Um, how does this, pro do bands reach out to you? Do you find the bands? Like, how does that process work? Well, we, we've been in the scene for so long in Austin that it's really not, it's, it, we, we know everyone almost. And so they come to us and we come to them and they're just friends who we run into at the, at Sea Boys and, you know, one thing leads to another and we find a place for them in the calendar. There's a lot of that going on, but there's all, late, lately we've getting a lot, been starting to get a lot more intentional about how we book things and, and start to think about who are the bigger fish that we might want to go after that. And, and when we do that, well, okay, that sort of changes the pitch that we need to come at them with. And so, yeah, we're, I'd say it's just changing, but we've tried all, all methods from just our homies down the road to, to uh, you know, cold calling a, a band that might maybe we see they're coming to play a show in town. They're on tour, and we we think we have a you know so we have a pitch that maybe they'll be receptive to, and we so we go and we either try to find their management or or or, or maybe someone who knows them, and we kind of come in that way and see if we can strike up a conversation. And it's been you know hit and miss, but we've had some successes. It's been going good. Because I'm thinking, you know, obviously. There's obviously, uh, you know, every year South by Southwest is, I mean, there's always something going on in Austin like this, that there'd be a net where people who are in town, like you said, I mean, South by South, I mean, I yep. don't know South by Southwest in 30 years, but even when I was there, 
it would be international there were even international acts that you would think there'd be yeah. a, kind of a way that you could even work on that issue too yeah, yeah we, we have we've had both yeah. I mean yeah like last year during South by Southwest Live Nation has a management arm now and so they sent one of their new artists uh Michigander out for a stream we've got a uh we think potentially a major artist that's going to come in between the two weeks of ACL fest so yeah we're gonna we're starting to get a little bit of that to be able to take advantage of that stuff coming through and we'll continue to try to tap more into that yeah one of the huge advantages of being in this town around south by southwest is that there's really no other place where people from incredible artists from all over the world just descend upon your city and and so you know we've we've taken advantage of that multiple times and sort of just reached out to we would just kind of check the lineup of South by and we see some really interesting bands that otherwise probably wouldn't come here and we reach out to them and see if they want to be you know part of our showcase and most of them say yes so you know that's been a great perk of just being in this town so who's on your bucket list fellas who, who do you want to hear from who's the call I mean make the pitch now they're listening to this who should come and be on the purple B uh let's hear from Dustin and Grego I'm sure they have some wish lists <laughs> Uh, I think yeah, part of what what we've uh, sort of established is our nature or our vibe at Purple Bee, especially with the the house band and the shows that we sort of self produce and and is is the art of improvisation and and jamming and sort of uh, getting into an environment where it's a safe place to to get out of your comfort zone or and, and do things off the cuff. And a lot of times that ends up making the live. Uh, stream feel even more alive even more present time and and uh in in touch with the people watching and that sort of thing so i think as far as artists that we would love to have it's like people who are on that high level of uh jamming and impro improvising um there's a, there's a mc his name's harry mack who's like one of the best freestyle mcs is touring around right now uh there's a guy named mark revelle who's a sort of a improvisational comedy jam artists uh, solo artists people like that i think they would uh they would do really well with our format and our style and sort of uh, it allow us to sort of uh on a on a bigger state uh, stage sort of show people uh you know our our in our particular strengths in that that world of, of sort of creating those environments for for art to happen spontaneously all right grego everybody you haven't piped up yet you got anything to add on that oh uh, yeah forgive me i'm here at the restaurant that's chinese music playing so sorry if you hear that it's <laughs> all good but um i would i don't know i would like to have snoop dogg on the show hopefully okay. one day he showed mm. up and then if you can hear that i love snoop dogg and i think that would be great to have him okay so I, I'm interested. Everything's about data, right, fellas? Everything's about data. So when you guys do one of these, how much information do you get back? Like, do you know how long they watch? Do you know how old they are? What kind of demographic and other kind of data do you get when you do one of these? Uh, we have the typical, uh, you know, YouTube stats. Uh, we use a platform called Restream that that syndicates our streams to various platforms at the same time. And, and that has a package of stats in there um, that you can sort of see watch time and simultaneous viewers, things like that. Um, so yeah, we don't, we don't really 
other than that, we we collect email addresses when we can. We, we're trying to to have our own database of fans and people who interact with us. We'll we'll invite them to our email list, and and so there's some data mining there uh, with Mailchimp and things like that, where you're you're just sort of seeing who what your demographics are. Um, yeah, so it's it's the typical available tools for the most part, um, and we just we just try and you know just stay on them and, and look at them and sort of try and learn learn some lessons from them when we can well yeah i, I think it's data, su surprisingly it's surprisingly manual when it comes i mean we can look at those stats all day but when we make a one-on-one -on -one connection with a fan watching it you kind of know it you see you, they, you talk to them in the chat or, or they come back for multiple shows or they donate and they you almost develop a, a relationship with them one at a time and you can see fans being spawned and, and and the same goes for people who come to our studio and they're instantly their minds are blown when they walk in and they say that, okay i'm coming back with my friends uh and artists too they they go and tell the, the people they're playing in other bands with and all of a sudden you're getting calls from other bands and other managers and things like that so it's i've i've seen a lot more sort of just traction just on a one-on-one -on -one basis just flipping people around one at a time but one of the reasons why I asked that, I've got a 21-year-old and a 19-year-old, and even though we've got a 55-inch TV upstairs and a five-by-eight-foot, you know, high-def projection screen downstairs, they both stare at their fucking phones all day, man. Like, mm -hmm. it just, that whole generation, they grew up with that technology. It's all they know, and it's that instant gratification, right? You know, they, they want to look anything up anywhere in the world about anything. They can't instantaneously. So I was curious, like, when these live streams, it's a, I assume it's younger folks, but it's just I was just kind of curious what you had found. We we've we've been trying to focus. We've been trying to steer people more towards taking this stream and Chromecasting it to their TV and watching it like they would watch it, you know, something on their couch. And that and we think that's the best way to to view these shows because the sound is immaculate and it's HD and it just looks great and it's it's it, lends itself to a theater experience so the bet the best way to to take it in is definitely from your couch and we try to make the, we try to sort of cater to those folks more than any of anyone else but inevitably you have most people watching it on their phone as they you know take a crap or or you know whatever uh and that's just you can, there's no getting around that so we've been trying to be smart especially lately about starting to to really kind of follow up our live shows with more bite-sized content that's the pull out little clips the best of the show from last night that's in a instagram story format so you can kind of you know when you when you see those things on your phone it's it's a little bit more of a it's designed for watching it up and down and it's designed for watching it on the go it's a minute or less and and you know we hope that people can get the flavor of purple bee through those things and eventually come back and take the time to put it on their hi-fi at home and and really watch it and really get immersed eventually we'll have people watching on headsets on the apple vrs and and the metaverses and all those things so we stay we stay in we stay up to date on those you know trends because we know that the the viewing habits are going to change but we think that purple b is a hi-fi experience and so it's you can only get so far on a watching it on your phone with the phone speaker no totally agree i'm always like what do you you're an idiot why are you looking at your phone there's a screen right up there you can put it on yeah. so but they're like what you know you know kids um before we go 
tell people what's the best way i i assume you're on everything because we've already talked about youtube and twitch and stuff where people listen to this like they're intrigued i will put the links down below so they can just click on it but what's the best way people want to follow you is it is it twitch what's what what's the best way yeah our twitch our twitch channel is is pretty active and it's it's a fun way to watch the show there's some extra bits of interaction that happen over there that you don't really get anywhere else but youtube is great too um and the best way is if you're anywhere near austin's to come to our studio and watch a show that way i think you'll be you'll be a fan forever after that and, and it's a, a very unique way to see a show and it's a sort of take it in from all sides and then once you leave you know you you'll be able to tune back in on the on your phone or on your chromecast at home and uh and you'll have a better perspective on what we do um how many people can you still so everybody hears this they're thrilled they want to come down how many people can you have in your facility without the fire marshal being called anywhere from anywhere from 50 to what we're kind of changing around you know once we open up garage doors and the weather's nice we have a big tent outside it could be a, as many as a few hundred but right now it's in the 50 range it's comfortably in there with the band and and kind of outside on the patio where the bar is we kind of have this this overflow crowd that people can come in and out between the the live room where the band is playing and the sort of uh this patio area that looks in on the live room Okay. So it's 50 to 100 right now, but it's th th there'll be different configurations in the future where it can grow. All right. Well, I, I dig it. I think you guys are on to something. I, I, you know, I'm not surprised. I mean, I know we didn't talk about Scott. How many years were you at L2, Scott? So, I mean, this has to be kind of second nature for you on the video side, but uh, I, I love it. Uh, I think it's great. I, I appreciate you guys doing it. I would love it if someday, you know, why not Kansas City? I'm going to Kansas City. It's the Purple Bee guys again. Yes, down in the show links. Look at the website. It's in there. Look at the YouTube page. It's cool. They, they do really high quality stuff. They've got great acts down there. I really think it's something that it's going to be more the norm in the 21st century. Uh, I appreciate that time. They were so nice. They even said, come down sometime to Austin again and uh, do a podcast from it. Well, I'm a lazy bastard. If I have a facility where I don't have to carry anything and just use your microphones and recording, I'm all over it. So uh, we may be talking again, fellas, but I'm going to be in uh, Austin again in February. So that's going to do it this time. We are off for two weeks. I will be back uh, two weeks from today in early October. Uh, our next conversation is with the drummer of the jam band, Mo. Mo out of New York. They are coming to Lawrence in October, a few days after this uh, podcast will air. So uh, look forward to that in two weeks. Until then, go out, support live music. We'll talk real soon. Bye-bye. But if I have to walk, I'm on